Welcome to the Gym Lords Podcast, where we talk to real gym owners and share their stories, their trials, and what's working for them right now. To apply to be a guest on this podcast, click the link in the description. Hope you enjoy and subscribe. What's up, Gym Lords? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. My name is Bree. I will be your host today, and I'm here with Will from Power Boxing and Fitness in West Chicago, Illinois. What's up, Will? How are you today? Hey, I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Awesome. Happy you're here. Thank you for taking the time to join us. I appreciate it. All right. So let's waste no time getting into the details here. How did you get started? What is it that made you want to own your own gym? Um, I always wanted uh, my own gym. Um, I, that was always the plan, the long-term plan. It, ca- it happened very short-term, a um, little bit of a backstory. Um, I started boxing when I was very young. Um, I didn't like it so much then. Uh, like five, six, all that time. <clears throat> and then when I was 16, I decided to actually compete and actually do amateur boxing. And, um, you know, there was a point in my life where, you know, I wanted to be different than other people in my high school football players, like X, Y, and Z. And um, I went, I went turn, turn amateur and then fought a lot. And that was it. I didn't want to do much more than that. You know, go to college, do all that stuff. And, um, uh, you know, I wanted to be an astronomer. I want to be a psychologist. I want to be all these things and do all my uh, gen ads and uh, try to get a degree somewhere around those things that I like. And the idea of teaching too was one of my things. <clears throat> and so what happened was um, I got into trouble. I got in trouble with the law, I became a felon. And it was a to long, make a long story short, I was convicted uh, and I was facing 12 to 50 years in prison. And that was a really tough time in my life. And uh, what happened was I was offered good. Also, I had an online business, right? And I was selling pot, um, Kratom. And Kratom is very, it's legal here in Illinois. Not so much in Indiana or something in Wisconsin, but in Illinois, it was fine to have, to keep, to sell, to distribute. So I had an online business. Um, the cop, messaged me saying, Hey, uh, I, I don't want Kratom anymore. Do you have poppy pods? And I looked it up. I'm like, what is this? Googled it. Boom. Website, website, store, store, fill the order, bought some for low, sold it for high, like you're supposed to. And the cop busted me for uh, heroin and, uh, and uh, morphine. So it was a little bit of a loophole what they did. Um, and because a test is positive for, you know, let's say heroin or whatever, I was facing 12 to 50 years in prison because of this loophole. And uh, so from there, I was like, what, what am I going to do with my life? I don't want to flip burgers. I don't want to, you know, work a dead end job, job that I don't like at all. So, you know, I, uh, I said, you know, I want to go pro. So I went pro, did pro boxing. You know, I won all my fights. I have seven wins, zero losses, one draw. Uh, six knockouts by win. And uh, my last fight in 2015, I broke my jaw. I won the fight, but kind of lost the career. Um, and, and I was like, well, now what I'm going to do, you know, right. this also happened to me. So I said, you know what? I always wanted to open up a boxing gym because that's how we always did it. We have a boxing or sorry, a gym in the garage. We got a ring. We got bags. We got treadmills. We got everything that we need to uh, have a boxing gym. So let's just take everything out of our garage and move it into a bigger space. Mm-hmm. So that's when we had power boxing and fitness. And even when I was an amateur boxer, we did have our own uh, boxing studio in, down, in the downtown West Chicago area. 
it wasn't legit enough where I want to fully commit into the business. It was just my dad's thing because during that time was the whole housing crisis of 2008. Yeah. And in 2008, you know, there was a whole recession. So my dad did his thing. And that's where I got the inspiration from pretty much my father, when he lost his job, his full-time engineering job, he opened up his own boxing gym and that was me helping him, but it was so successful then. We closed that shop, you know, years past, you know, this whole thing with poppy seeds happened. I opened up my own gym after my job broken. And here we are now um, since 2016 to now. So what was that? Six years. Uh, we've been able to uh, stay open even through COVID. Uh, we had to do some, uh, you know, some, some thinking about how we're going to keep the place open through these two years or a year and a half we've been closed and then open up back. Um, and now it's, you know, now it's, we have a good, uh, resurgence of old members and new members. So it's been really great being, being booked a lot and, uh, and yeah, we're here now and I'm really happy of how we've grown, how we, you know, stayed hungry and, and not get complacent and also not get comfortable too, because there was a point in time where, you know, things were going good. We're fine. All of a sudden, boom, you get knocked out. Right. And it's COVID hits. Right. So you gotta, you gotta be, you know, be smart on your wits and, and, uh, figure out how to, how to survive through those things. And we were able to do it. So I'm very happy. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, congratulations for being open post COVID. That is an accomplishment <laughs> in and of itself. So that's huge. Um, but the story of you opening the gym is pretty crazy. You know, you took a negative thing yeah. and turned it into a positive thing. So that's awesome to hear that you're here now and you know, you have the gym, you're doing what you love. So there's nothing better than that. Um, mm -hmm. But what does your business model look like now? Are you doing group classes? Are you doing one-on-one semi-privates? How do you structure things and who do you serve mostly? Um, yeah. So we have boxing classes, obviously um, we got, different styles of boxing training. We have the traditional boxing where you just want to punch something, you know, we want to hit, we got the mitts, you partnered up with someone, your own skill level. Um, we have from beginners to more advanced. And even if you were just a beginner and you're, you're put in there with someone advanced, the advanced person is disciplined enough to know how to work with you. So you know, you put on the pads, you're catching gloves, um, doing different combinations, doing that workout, just learning the basics of boxing, the good stance, good form technique, and fast punch combos. And then we have elite boxing, which are those for those who want um, more contact, more physical, uh, you know, getting punched in the face pretty much. And um, learn how to block, learn how to do defense, offense drills, defense drills, all the real stuff that you would normally learn in a real boxing gym. And then we also have box fit, which is more of a combo uh, class where we do mixture of strength training and also boxing workouts itself. So we go around the gym, different circuit training, hitting one spot, hitting one station to the next station. And then obviously at the end, uh, we have personal training as well. So you can always, always add on top of that and do a one-on-one -on -one training with me or my, or coach, uh, coach Guillermo, my father. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, awesome. that's, that's what we have right now. We don't have open gym. I think open gym is not really good for boxing. I mean, you could learn boxing on your own and do your own thing and hit the bag, whatnot. But there's something about having a coach looking at you and what you're doing right or wrong that really helps 
um, you to further exceed your, your potential. So um, we do have open gym if you ask for it and, you know, I can let you in or something. And, but usually I'm always there coaching somehow, but Hey, pick your hands up. Hey, you know, you're doing this. Right. So um, it's better to have a coach there, whether it's a class structure or one-on-one structure. Yes, absolutely. Okay. So now uh, how large is the facility? How many square feet? 3000 square feet. Oh, wow. Okay. So you've got quite a bit of space there. So that's awesome. And then as far as the membership base goes, how many members are you currently serving within the facility? With kids. Oh, it was have kids class um, with kids class and the adults. I say we have a good 60, 60 members just, okay. just based on classes. Okay. And then so, clients, we add another, you know, 20, so maybe 80. All right. So uh, between your group classes and then are those other clients in one-on-one sessions? Yeah. Mostly those people just want one-on-ones. Okay. Um, now, is that kind of where you would like the membership to be or are you looking to serve more people? I'm fine where we at really, but, um, you know, obviously more members is great. You know, mm-hmm. um, a lot, a lot of the surveys we've done, you know, people get off work at a certain time and I've yet to find a morning crowd, you know, um, I need more soccer moms who those who stay at home or fathers who stay at home nowadays, you know, we, mm-hmm. we have people who, who have different types of jobs. Like I was, I'm training this YouTuber. Right. And so he, he doesn't work at all, you know? I'm able to train him in the morning. So like, I want to focus my, my angle and see if how I can market to those people, because those are the ones who can change it for us, because then we can have a morning class. Um, mm-hmm. I could hire an extra trainer. So those, those little things would, would help. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I mean, if you're able to implement classes in the mornings, you know, whether that be before people go to work or even, those who aren't working or are working from home that can take those later morning classes, you know, and fill those, then that could be a huge difference maker within the business itself. Um, now on the side of marketing and advertising, how are you currently getting the word out there about your gym to people in the area? Really fortunate that boxing is such a niche market that um, when you search us, we're like the first to pop up. There's a couple other gyms, but what they don't have is the name fitness. So when people search yeah, up boxing, yeah. they get very, dis- uh, what's the word, discouraged because they see like a real boxing gym with blood and sweat and people fighting. And I've seen other gyms, the way they market themselves and, you know, to each their own, of course, but you got to have a market for those who don't want to get hit in the face. They want to get fit without getting hit. And, um, and just because we have the name fitness, it also discourages the real boxers who want to fight. So they see something with fitness. Like, oh, I don't want to be fitness. I want to be a real boxer. And that's fine, too. But once I get a phone call on them, it's, it, they, they can't escape. They will have to try it. And right. It's just because of my own confidence of saying, like, what do you want to do? Like, what are you looking at boxing? What's your goal with it? And then once they tell me, oh, I want to fight or I just want to learn, you know, then I know where to direct them to. Right. And we have that for them. So um, I think um, really it's word of mouth too. A lot of it is word of mouth, Facebook ads, 
Instagram ads. Um, they don't work as much as I would like them to. Um, I've taken some classes and stuff, but I don't find very success in that. Mm-hmm. A lot of it just with, uh, with just the basics, just posting something on Facebook and letting people share it and then word of mouth from there. And then um, throughout the years that we've known people with other gyms that, uh, or um, the years that we've gone through this, it's helped a lot too. Just yeah. staying with it. Right. Absolutely. Okay. So now you said something there as far as boxing being a niche market, which is true, you know, and Mm -hmm. something that is very helpful, which you're obviously aware of is having people who are interested in using boxing for fitness and not for necessarily fighting, you know, and boxing is a fantastic workout. In my opinion, one of the best workouts that you can do just overall, you know, for strength, for endurance, for, um, cardio, you know, and I think that just keeping in mind that having that general public that is coming in just for fitness is very important just as far as providing stability for the business itself. You know, because a lot of a lot of gyms that are set up like yours only want to work with people who are looking to fight, you know, or are looking to take it to that next level, which is fantastic. But it's always really nice to have that other side of things to rely on to pay the bills on a monthly basis, you know, keep the doors open. So it's good that you have that uh, that mindset there and that you're actually looking to increase that. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. It's hard. It's hard to uh, give your money away and you're getting hit, you know, like in in a funny way of looking things, we people pay us for them to get beat up a bit. And uh, whether it's workout or whether it's the real stuff, but, you know, it's it's hard to keep members who get hit in the face when they're not feeling too good about themselves. After the third time, they try to drop their drop their hands or something in. It is a big uh, revolving door here. You know, we they quit, they come back, they quit, they come back. And that's just how boxing is, you know. Um, but with the fitness side of things, uh, those are our most loyal members because they, they're, they're not getting hit in the face as much. Right. <laughs> um, but but then there is that that side of where their scheduling doesn't get in line or something. And uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. So now as far as goals and like big picture I always like to ask about like a a unicorn goal so like in a perfect world what does your business look like where are you looking to take the business um and kind of what are you doing to get there yeah so um my I mean right now I I mean I know I said this with with Marcos but I want to a fighting bus, like a fight bus. Like I can have my fighters fight out of state. I could just take them on a long road trip and, mm-hmm. and, um, and go to different States for different tournaments. And that's one of my like future goals ahead, but also, you know, long-term, you know, have, you know, a lot of members here and different trainers and different class styles. Mm-hmm. Um, we're, we slowly get in there. I mean, this basically we're in the gym right now. We're in an office, and this is where we do our podcasting. But in this area, we have guitar lessons. I have a guitar teacher who teaches. Okay. And then um, later today at 12 p.m., we have a Parkinson's class. And that trainer teaches only those with Parkinson's. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he he started with Rocksteady and then um, falling out. So he, he has his own members now. So um, 
I'm able to build that way and, and help them out too with, with people and whatnot. And they pay me a, an overhead cost to stay here with us. And that's been helping a lot. Um, my whole background story with the poppy pots and poppy seeds, I have a documentary being made on me with, uh, with a director and, you know, that's, that's something I'm working on currently. And hopefully with that, once we're able to get a release on it, we want to sell the rights to like Netflix and Hulu and all that stuff. And hopefully they pick it up and that will be a really good uh, payday for, for us. So that way we can have the fight bus and expand and hire trainers and have more classes, um, so those are some of the things I'm doing right now with podcasting too. I'm not as active on it as I should be, but with the podcast, I do a lot of like boxing reviews, boxing training tips, bring on different guests, different, uh, boxers or trainers and just talk on, on, uh, techniques and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, you know, you know, with that, we get a lot of different people from different places. So I'm not really focused on advertising to the people who can never come to this place but right. it's just fun yeah. to do it and have that extra like hey you need to know how to do something here here's a, here's a tip you know and I send them the podcast mm-hmm. so that's that's helped a lot too okay so now what was it about you know obviously it's it's important you just kind of touched on this as far as reaching the right people people in the area that can actually come into the facility so what was it about Facebook and Instagram when you were running paid advertising that didn't seem to work for you? Um, why do you think they, they didn't work? Because personally for me, Facebook was like the only lead source that I used and it was very uh, profitable you know, and steady. So what do you think it was that um, kind of provided a bottleneck there or, or didn't work for you in the way that you wanted it to? I'm not too sure. I don't know if they're really giving it to people who are really interested in boxing or want to do it for workout. Like, I don't know where these ads are really being shown at. So I'm not too sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to look and it says, you know, you know, interest or whatever, but I just never know like if it's really doing that or not. And I'm not too sure. Maybe someone outbids me. I think that could be it too. Someone pays more money. So they're going to use them as a priority first. Um, you know, I mean, we don't have a big marketing budget, but it's enough where like, you know, it's, I get a one or two, maybe five. Um, they come in, they try it, they sign up. And then, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know what the real answer is, but I just know that it, it, it does help, but it's not as helping as much as I think it would have done. Right. Okay. Got it. So, yeah, I mean, there are definitely ways to get super specific about who you're targeting within that advertising, uh, multiple ways to approach that. But what is the, um, the offer that you are putting out there when you are running ads? Is it for like a free trial, free class, something of that nature? What does that look like? Yeah, we, we do the free class thing. Um, and then once they do the free class, they start asking, okay, what do I need? And a lot of what we figured out is that people who don't sign up are those who have to buy the equipment and buy all the stuff and all, all the things that need to get started with boxing, because let's face it, boxing gloves smell bad. You know, they, they don't smell good when it's someone else's stench. Yeah. (laughs) So we take that initial cost, you know, like, Hey, you sign up with us, you'll get a free month, but really they're paying for the gloves and the month. There's a certain profit margin with wholesale costs that I get through the, through the boxing equipment companies that I'm able to make a margin off the sale of the boxing gloves itself. 
though, let's say, cause so let's say elite boxer here. I want to do boxing for real. I want to fight and compete. Cool. I want to sign up. Let's get started. $200 will get you headgear, boxing gloves, um, hand wraps, mouthpiece, and a cup. And then I say free month too. So in their head, they're paying $200 for all the equipment and they're getting a free month. The initial cost on all that equipment comes about to be $80. So it's an $80 cost to us with a $120 margin. And that margin, it goes to their actual, you know, membership costs, you know, and then next month, um, and little by little, we start getting that, that, that margin back or that, that loss back. And, uh, and yeah. Got and then also, also incentive if, is they, if they give us a credit card on file, it's hundred dollars a month, you know, we charge $120 a month. Uh, you know, no contract, just pay one month and you're done, right? One month and you're done. I do check up follow-ups after they their month is done. I haven't been back in a while. Um, but if they leave us a credit card on file, they'll save an extra 20 bucks, you know, and that seems to be something they'd like to do and save. And uh, and we get an, an automatic, you know, recurring charge on their credit card. Yeah. A hundred bucks. Okay. So now more so toward the general fitness side of things, the ones that are coming in for fitness pur purposes, not so much fighting purposes. Um, do you have agreements in place on that side or is that month to month as well? The agreement of, of working out here? Yeah. Like a membership agreement. Um, not a contract, like you, you owe us six months of your life to be here with us, you know, nothing like that. It's just more of, we have two versions. We have leave us a credit card on file, you know, just give us a 30 days up notice that so you're not going to be back, whatever. Um, and we'll take off the automatic charge and that one keeps going until they cancel. Mm -hmm. And then the other one is, you know, the person who's not sure of they want to commit or not because they're getting punched in the face. So here's one month try this out for a month. If you don't mm -hmm. like it, there's no pressure coming back. You pay for one month, 120, you're done. Okay. You can also pay for three months. If that works better for you, $300, three months, hundred dollars a month, pay three months up front after three months, no pressure to come back. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, it, with that, with that, uh, the uncertainty of them not signing back up after that time, it's like, Oh, well, you know, we want them of course to come back, but somehow they always do. And we're getting people from, pre-COVID to post-COVID to like, hey, remember me? Like, yeah, I forgot your name, but yeah, you know? <laughs> so there's, there's always that, uh, that, that, that they feel like, I don't know, they feel happy with that, that, you know, they're, we're not that other gym that just locks them in or something, you know? Okay. And then, so as far as price points, are you happy where your price points are or would you like to charge more? Um, yeah, I mean, uh, I've since COVID, we were like 90 bucks and then we went to a hundred mm -hmm. and then we went to 120 and now we're with the automatic is a hundred now, 120 now. So I do plan on charging more soon, you know? So, um, yeah. And trying to grandfather them in on that cost before it's too late. And mm -hmm. if they cancel, then they got to go to the new rate. Um, but yeah, I do plan on upping it soon. Yeah. Yeah, because you're right now below industry average as far as cost goes. I know. <laughs> and you provide a niche service, you know, and typically that's at a higher rate. So it feels like you're yeah. you're missing out on some revenue there for sure.
Yeah, unfortunately, the cost doesn't match the uh, number of people you would think would sign up for such a low rate. But, you know, um, you know, I want to keep it here and, and see for like maybe a little bit longer and then start upping it. But I don't know when it when it translates, when does price really tell you like, oh, this is worth it because it's expensive, but I'm getting punched in the face. You know, it's just like, I don't know. It's just a weird. It's a weird thing. I'm very picky about when the right timing is. Yeah. And I, I mean, those might be beliefs that you have on your, your end that are kind of holding you back from charging what you're worth, you know, because you are providing a high level of service that's different from other gyms. You know, if people just want to go in and get a workout, they can go to any gym, but they're coming to you because they want boxing, you know, especially the, the people that are coming into elite boxing, they want boxing. They want somebody that knows what they're doing right and you have the background yeah. the knowledge and you're providing that level of service so yeah they're coming to get punched in the face but they they signed up for it you know like mm -hmm. they know what they're walking into and if they don't want to get punched in the face you've got an option for that as well you know right. but you can definitely charge more you know there's a lot of a lot of gym owners undervalue the services that they're providing and you know i think there's definitely some room there for you to be able to increase that and um you know you might notice too that the people that do sign up are more serious you know if the prices are a little bit higher those people are are more serious about coming in you know and actually sticking to it people who pay pay attention right if they're investing a good amount of money into their fitness, into boxing on a monthly basis, then chances are they're going to show up and they're going to stick around, you know? So not always a bad thing. I know it's kind of hard to, to get there and to implement those things sometimes, but I definitely think that there's, there's room for you to charge more, especially providing a niche service like you do. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I agree. Yeah. All right. We shall so see. <clears throat> what's that we shall see because i'm, I'm I do plan on raising the prices soon yeah see how it goes yeah absolutely all right uh so now before we start to wrap up one thing that i always love to ask every gym owner that i speak with is if you could provide a piece of advice to somebody who is considering opening their own facility doing their own thing kind of going their own way in the fitness industry what would that be what's one of the most important lessons that you've learned uh from your time in ownership um don't quit you know it's it's always a scary feeling when you don't know what's going to happen next month but you know if you have a strong team around you and you have that belief set that you're doing something great and and you just gotta get the people in the door to to experience that greatness just work <clears throat> just work with that one person that you have already and that person will help grow you and then the next person comes in you give them the same amount of experience that you did with the people that you've start who started with you in the beginning and just don't give up because everything that we do goes with everything that we do will help you along the way and what and sometimes whatever you do also can discourage you what happens in the future too so keep that positive mindset and more positive things will come your way absolutely yeah i love that keep that keep that positive mindset and keep going you know no yep. matter what so yep. awesome okay and as we wrap up here where can the listeners find you on social media um i'm everywhere on at will the boxer 
Instagram, um, on my Facebook page, Will the Boxer as well. My personal page, if you want, you can always find me there too, Will Coix, C-O-I-X. Um, and yeah, everything's Will the Boxer. Awesome. Twitter, everything. All right. Pretty straightforward there. Will the Boxer on pretty much everything. Awesome. Yep. All right. So Will from Power Boxing and Fitness in West Chicago, Illinois. Thank you so much for taking the time to join us today. It's been so great having you on the show. Thank you, Bree. Absolutely. To all the listeners out there, make sure that you subscribe so that you will be updated on future episodes of the show. In the meantime, keep killing it out there and we will catch you on the flip side. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to this interview, but don't go anywhere. We still have two more incredible interviews coming right up inside this episode. But if you're a gym owner that's looking to get more clients, keep them longer and make more money, Head to the link in the description of this podcast and schedule a free leave your credit card at home consultation with one of our business consultants. You see, here at Gym Launch, we've helped over 4,000 gym owners across the world increase their sales, take home more money, and build the business of their dreams. And it simply starts with a phone call. Click on the link in the description of this podcast to schedule your call today. Now, let's head into the next interview. Welcome to the Gym Wards Podcast, where we talk fitness business with gym owners who are in the trenches, doing work, changing lives in their area. I'm your host, Dominic. Today, I'm here with my guest, owner of Row House, Redmond, Washington, Mike Mueller. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing fantastic, sir. Excited to get into this with you. So let's uh, let's kick it off. Just tell us about the Row House, about your particular club. Um, it's a franchise I've been hearing a lot more about lately, but tell us about your baby. Yeah, sure. Row house. So the, the modality of the, of the rowing erg, the rower is just a fantastic workout. And so the way I like to describe it, my elevator speech, if you will, is, uh, you know, you're familiar with the spin class, you know, like Peloton or whatever, where you have a highly motivating instructor that's doing the workout, leading the group through both intensity and rhythm done to the music so we're doing the same thing as that, except with rowing machines. Now, the cool thing about a rowing machine, it's way more of a full body workout. So, you know, it's not just legs, it's 60% legs, but 30% core. So that hinge at the hip, you really get your core engaged. So you can get a fantastic workout. And, you know, honestly, it's a little less uh, hard on certain parts of your body than a spin class. You know, it doesn't hurt your butt as much. <laughs> and in each class, we'll get off the rower and do some floor exercises, um, uh, do some work there some of our classes we actually use dumbbells and and so yeah so that's what we're all about and and uh just using that that uh, that great fitness modality so the cool thing too about the rowing machine is it's low impact you know so you're still going to not low intensity you can still get a very intense workout but it's going to be less hard on your joints and other areas of your your body so you're going to be able to recover quicker i'm not saying you're not going to get sore from oh, a, yeah. a, a rowing workout, but theoretically, you're going to not have that pounding. Uh, and, you know, we kind of carry that through with our floor work. You know, we're never going to do burpees or jumping jacks or things like that. It's all low intensity strength building um, workouts on our floor stuff. Um, so that's the cool thing about it. And then the other thing that's really fun is we're very inclusive. Uh, because, you know, the way we use the Concept 2 rower, which has a fan flywheel uh with it, so the harder you pull, the harder the resistance, right? So, so um, what that means is the opposite of that is true too. The lighter you pull, the lighter the resistance. So you can have an Olympic athlete 
next to somebody who hasn't worked out for two and a half years, let's say, and they can both get a great workout following that lead instructor. And uh, so that makes it pretty, pretty fun that uh, we can get people of all body shapes, all shapes and sizes working out here. And, and uh, it's not intimidating. We, we do it in a studio where the, it's kind of a dark room. We turn down the lights, turn up the music, do some fun stuff. And, and uh, yeah, so, so I'm just, I love the modality. It's a really great, uh, it's, it's awesome workout. I'm sold, man. Sign me up. Let's go. If there was one in my area, I'd, I'd probably check it out. I think I, I've seen that they seem to be popping up more and more, you know, as uh, across the across the country. So it's it's really cool to see how that's expanding and yeah, the concept. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Of them right now, I think there's 100 of them um, open right now, and I was one of the uh, probably the first 25 of them to open up. Oh wow! Wow, that's. So an early adopter for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, uh, I, I've seen, seen them in a couple of places in my travels. So hopefully they start popping up more and more. I think, you know, when it, sometimes people say like, oh, the fitness space is crowded or saturated. And I, I think, you know, more models is better, right? Cause it's one more opportunity for somebody who might not have otherwise gotten off the couch to go and do something right. And that's, that's where still the majority of the progress to be made in our industry is, I think, um, is getting people who aren't doing anything to do something, not, not cannibalizing each other. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So a little bit of a, a backstory from you is you came from a completely different industry um, before you decided to get in and become a franchisee of the Row House. So to the extent that, uh, you know, our format allows uh, give us a little bit of backstory. Let us tell us tell us who Mike was beforehand, and and what got you into the Row House family. Sure thing, yeah. Um, so I was in corporate America for about thirty five years. Um, kind of letting you know what my age is here. <laughs> so uh, you started when you were ten. I get it. Yeah, we're, and I worked for a company that's an insurance company. You know, you, you, you look on the TV and you see all those fun commercials like Liberty Mutual and Geico. And, you know, so we were like that, except way less cool. <laughs> so it's basically a corporate job that I did for 30 years. Um, can't say I loved it, uh, but I put three kids through state schools, you know, through college with no debt, that, that sort of thing. And I got to the point where um, I could retire. You know, we had the rule of 85. You work 30 years and you're 55 or over and you, you, you know, you're eligible for a retirement. So, you know, I started looking at, well, what am I going to do the next 10 years? I've always been in fitness. I've ran a bunch of marathons. Uh, I was a basketball player a, a lot. And, uh, so I, I, I kind of like the idea of, of doing something with the gym. So, so I just kind of like, well, you know, I've done this job for 30 years that, you know, it's a job, put my kids through school, not anything, not my passion. Right. I was really looking for something that was my passion. My past passion was really kind of fitness. And, and so I, I, uh, actually, um, Dominic, I, I, uh, uh, sought out a, um, um, franchise consultant. And, you know, they kind of run you. And the whole time I'm thinking fitness, I'm going to do fitness. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the guy throwing out the towel. You know, I just think that's the coolest thing ever. Uh, but he tried to run me through, you know, selling hardwood floors or, you know, doing, doing the janitor service, uh, lash lounge, you know, other stuff that are really good businesses, just not, not something I'm passionate about. 
It's kind yeah. of funny, you know, we we actually, my, my whole thing, and I'm sorry I'm rattling on here, but my whole thing, go for it. my whole thing was, you know, he's like, so, so that he's like, you know, this, this Lash Lounge now, Lash Lounge is awesome, but that was the one he was really pushing with me. He's like, you know, I just, I just think you're going to have trouble when you're at a cocktail party telling people you, you are the owner of a Lash Lounge. And I'm like, yeah, I just, you know, they really do the eyelashes and stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, that's just not me. <laughs> he goes, okay, well, let's, let's kind of work you towards fitness. And, um, and so, you know, I, I live up here in the Seattle area and I got to tell you the, the reason that, that row house appealed to me is a life changing event. I read the book, boys in the boat, boys in the boat by, by Daniel Brown fantastic book. It's about the 1936 Olympic and the University of Washington rowing team. So we know the 1936 Olympics, that's Jesse Owens, you know, running in front of Hitler and all this kind of super cool. But there's a whole backstory about this University of Washington rowing team that came together. And when I grew up in Washington and one of their um, lead character, Joe Rance, actually worked on the Grand Coulee Dam, which is where I grew up. My dad retired as a chief of construction. He lived there for 50 years. And wow. that whole connection in that book is so cool about rowing. There's just that there's almost a mystical, magical uh, uh, aspect of out rowing on the water. And, and uh, so, and, and the University of Washington's got quite a pedigree with rowing, you know, as a, lots of other areas in the country, you know, Pittsburgh and Boston are, you know, the head of the Charles is one of the biggest rowing events ever. But so it's really kind of cool. I thought, you know, that's going to go well here because we've got, uh, we've got rowing, um, Lake Seattle is um, on one side of Seattle is Puget Sound. The other side is Lake Washington. And then on the other side of that is Redmond, where I live. And then the other side of that is Lake Sammamish. Sammamish has a really strong uh, uh, rowing association, too, which is one of the biggest in the state. And, and so that's been kind of fun. And I actually joined that rowing association. So, you know, kind of I got into rowing. <laughs> um, probably the, the, other, the other reason is I mentioned earlier that I was a basketball player and a marathon runner. Man, I tell you what, I, I, I got to the point where I got up in the morning, I was hunched over because my back and my knee, I went to PT at least three times because of a knee injury, that pounding on the pavement and that running and jumping just really took so much toll on my body that I was looking for, you know, I crave that cardio workout, that really endurance based workout but I didn't want the pounding anymore. I didn't want to be walking around like an old man. Uh, so, so that's what rowing also with that low intensity, I'm sorry, low impact, high intensity workout um, really kind of um, attracted me. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So you wanted fitness, you love rowing. Yeah. It all seemed to make sense. It's like, you know, the, you know, the clouds part, the light shone down and you're like, row house. And obviously you had to look into the, the logistics, the particulars, you know, what it was going to look like as far as investment and all those things. So that had to line up and make sense. Um, you know, if you want to get into a general fitness franchise, there are a lot of options. There's, there's Eat the Frog and Fit Body Bootcamp and Renegade and CrossFit and, and all these other things. But if you if it has to be rowing, I don't know that there are any other options that are mostly rowing based and you can correct me if i'm wrong but are there any other reasonable you know, options in a franchise for rowing super good point uh, and i wish there was more there's a few there's a few city row i think is one in in uh, manhattan area and I, there's a few more out there i wish there was more 
And I, I like to get people to, to look at the rowing machine. I mean, you go to a rowing machine, the fitness trainer will probably take you over to that machine and say, you know, this is an awesome thing. Um, Cause you think about the spin class, right? I mentioned Peloton, uh, uh, cycle bar, soul cycle, you know, there's, there's a dozen know, hundreds of different spin and they do really well. Mm -hmm. And, and I think they've got the word it, the word has got out that spin is pretty cool because it has that same kind of uh, teamwork atmosphere and, and, you know, you're working hard together and, and, uh, that, that sort of thing. And I, I, I really like to see rowing kind of, and I, and I believe it will get more and more popular and people realize it's, it's way more accessible and it's super fun. And actually, I actually think you could hit the beat better, you know, on that finish, you know, you get a song where you really hit the beat on, <laughs> uh, uh, it, it makes it fun. So I'd be happy if there's more, you know, kind of like the, the spin classes that, that pop up here where people do rowing and you know, the, the cost uh, for the concept to row is about the same as a, as a bike, you know, it's not yeah. that, not that big a deal. And, um, so, so yeah, it's, it's uh, pretty fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. So row house seemed like the franchise you were ready to hit your wagons to your all systems go. You, you do your build out, you get your location, everything is, is going. Um, February 2020 is grand opening, right? You had soft opening for month, February 2020 is grand opening. Yeah. And then Some Mother Nature decided happened. to blow the roof off of the whole world and especially gut punch the fitness business. And, yeah. and it sounds like, you know, um, your area and you especially – Took, took some hard ones there. So tell us the story. Yeah, uh, I want to back up just a little bit too, um, you know, about jumping into rush. There's and, and gym owners know, and as you know, Dom, that, that, you know, there's a passion buyer and, a, and then there's a business analytical person. So you just heard me talk about, you know, Daniel J. Brown's book, Boys in the Boat and everything else. I'm totally a passion buyer, right? I'm totally into this. You know, did I do as much of the analytics data business planning that I should have. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's, it's like uh, people who come in and, and um, uh, become members, you know, you have the people who want to spend 20 minutes going over the pricing and making sure it's right. and going to go back and compare it to everybody else. And you know, how much weight am I going to lose? Or the person just says, wow, that was cool. Sign me up. And so, so I was more of a passion buyer. And, uh, but, you know, we, we executed a lease finally about a year after I, I um, um, bought the franchise. And, and uh, so that was tough. The whole uh, real estate development, uh, you've probably gone through that. Man, I mean, I tell you what, it, it is really tough to find the right space and, and in an area where it's going to be, uh, successful, you know, when you look at the demographics of the area and look at the average income and, you know, we're a boutique fitness, right? So we're, we're on the upper end of the price scale. Um, so that's going to be successful. So it was tough to find a spot and, and, uh, then we get that going, then, he, then you got to get a contractor, right? So you got to get all the bids for a contractor and do the, all the build out. Um, you know, I learned so much stuff, you know, building out. I had a, I had a, a electrician, just a quick story that, that, um, you know, the inspector came through and, and he put these outlets too close to the ground that weren't ground fault. Which the inspector said, yeah, you got to change them out. And he's like, well, it wasn't in the specs. So I'm not going to do it. So, you know, what, what do I do? I go to Home Depot, you buy them, 
make sure the power's set up. I'm no electrician, but I put them back in there. So the inspector come back and goes, okay, yeah, those are GFI. Now stuff like that, you just like, really? Um, you so, get to learn a lot more about a lot of subjects than you may have ever wanted to. Yeah, yeah. But uh, I was super fun. No, I mean, just just really immersed myself in And honestly, a lot of people uh, do this when they're not retired, when they have full-time jobs. So I had retired, so I could kind of dive into it a little bit more, a lot more time doing that. Instead of just throwing money at it and say, okay, another change order, a thousand bucks. You know, you can't do a change order for another. <laughs> Go ahead and fix those GFIs, you know. Um, so anyway, you, you, you get through that and, uh, you know, we have our business plan, how many members we want to do in pre-sale. Then we have our soft open, which we just start to kind of, yeah, well, prior to that, I got to train, I got to recruit and, and hire coaches and GM and, and train them, get all that done. Um, probably we start our soft open in, in February 3rd, I think was our, was our soft open date. So we were, we were open a good month before in Washington, we had the full shutdown was March 15th. So six, six weeks we were open and, uh, you know, right on the, the business plan trajectory, you know, and your, your business plan is how many members you should have at soft open, how many you should have that second month. And we were right there where we needed to be. And, you know, I, needed another hundred or so to get to, to cash flow positive, uh, but, but really close with a really heavy uh, payroll. And then, um, yeah, the pandemic has been tough. Uh, so just shut us down completely. Um, so yeah, uh, that's, that's been tough. Um, now I had a landlord, um, who is a family owned, um, large real estate company, and I'm not going to say what their name is, but they, they were so, so good to me. Um, and what we ended up doing is I had some discussions with them. Um, and I know that other franchisers, I, I probably was one of the lucky ones where, where they, they agreed to defer rent to the end of my lease. So I had a 10 year lease. So they just, every month I was out, they pushed it back and they ended up doing that for a year and a half. So wow. Yeah, instead of having a 10-year lease, I got an 11 and a half year lease, but I didn't I didn't pay um uh rent. I you know, I had paid my utilities and that kind of stuff, but I didn't have to pay rent. I know they got something out of it. They got a I gave them a premium at the end of the of the um lease too, you know, paid basically 30% higher premium. Um, but so it worked out as a win-win where they're a large enough company that they could defer. I had a lot of uh, friends or franchisers said no the landlord would say no you need to open you need to pay yeah that's it right yeah so you know health wise and everything else you know following the requirements i was able to keep shut down here you know we um the washington state they did allow us to open at 25 percent capacity at, at first you know i thought about that it didn't make sense to me you know i would lose more money open than closed uh, you could you could run outside and look through some options. Some of my good friends in the area were able to do some outside um, uh, workouts, which was fantastic. Great for them um, uh, to keep it moving. But I was able to, until my landlord finally said, okay, wait a minute, what's going on? <laughs> well, well, actually, the, the Washington had the full open date was June 30th of 2021. So they called it the full open date. The governor said, okay, as long as you're vaccinated, no masks required, go ahead, full open, everybody's wide open. And so 
that was that was great and we opened on june 30th 2021 so almost a year and a half we were closed with the pandemic uh i one of the things i did is i rented out all my equipment you know i have i have uh, 28 rowers rented them out to people um mo mostly members actually 99% members so i was able to that money was able to pay my you know software fees and utility fees and all that other stuff um SBA did a nice job of paying my SBA loan for, you know, I they ended up being like nine months. They they paid that. So I actually didn't lose too much money. Pretty much was able to stay afloat by just renting out my equipment. And um, um, I, you know, got through it other than added another year and a half on my lease. So yeah, you know, June 30th, we're open, we're having great guns, doing awesome, back, back starting up. Um, and then, then Omicron hits, right? And, and so August 23rd, so I was open June 30th, August 23rd, we went to the mask mandate. So masks are required everywhere, including group fitness while doing group fitness. You know, early on in the pandemic, they had some things where you could take your mask off while, while doing group fit, but they changed that in, in August of 2021, where you had to wear it all the time. And, you know, and that everybody knows us is all over the country in various spots. So I'll tell you what, uh, I think we worked out until uh, they just lifted the mask mandate on March 12th. So August 23rd to March 12th, I got a lot of super fit <laughs> members from working out with a mask on for, for six months, you know. Uh, and now that they can take the mask off, yeah, probably 75, maybe 80% of them take the mask off. I still have... 10%, 10, 20% that, that'll wear their mask. Um, and, uh, and so now we're kind of, and honestly, I didn't, I didn't, I was starting to come back. Uh, I, uh, uh, I made a decision that, um, you know, I, I, I got, I got PPP loans and I, I was able to keep my staff for a while, but the PPP loans only last for, six weeks or 12 weeks and you can spread them out and and then that was gone used up all that money so i ended up having to lay off all my staff and uh, then i have to i got two of them to come back actually a couple of them went over and, and taught at cycle bar that was able to or, or spin class that was able to do rowing or do their fitness outside um they they figured out a place in a covered area you know it rains here all the time in washington <laughs> Uh, it was really close to their studio and a couple of my uh, instructors went over and worked for them. Um, so I was able to get them to come back. They still work there. Most of my instructors, actually all my instructors work at different, I have eight, eight instructors and they work at um, different studios around. Um, I think the most one instructor does is four classes a week for me, but you know, some of them do two here and you know, two at different studios. Um, so I was able to get them back. Uh, uh, but my point is that I decided to be an owner operator in, until I can kind of get the cash flow a little bit further because of the Omicron. And that just really knocked down my new business, um, getting people, getting new memberships to sign up. So I was able to um, keep my members, most of them. I, you know, I think one month I led, led the whole franchise with less than 1% attrition. Wow. Which is which is pretty amazing, right? I was able to keep people engaged with a mask. You know, now granted, that's only 100 members. So it's not like... <laughs>
that's I mean, 1% attrition ever in the fitness business, even for, you know, yeah. for a month or two is like some all-star level stuff. So it's funny when I was watching the, you know, the franchiser has its weekly calls, my name popped up. I'm like, wow, that's pretty cool. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. That's me. <laughs> yeah. You know, typically you're going to be five to 7% or maybe hopefully you want to keep it under 10%. Just, you know, 10% of people move or, or whatever. Um, so um, anyway, so that's kind of where we are now. Now we, we ended the, uh, just what, um, what is, two weeks ago, we ended the mask mandate here. So, so we're ramping back up again. We're seeing that um, um, more people are coming in, uh, increased my investment in marketing. Um, and we can talk about that, uh, you know, we all, have to, to market, get the word out. Leads are the most important thing. Um, getting good leads to come in and um, getting them to come in and take a class and, and, and then enrolling them and then getting referrals. Uh, all, so that's kind of where we are right now. And I'm kind of on my way back. All good things for sure. So I guess that that is kind of a natural next topic to go to. Um, now that you are in a position where fingers crossed, you know, well, as long as we don't get any more variants or spikes, you've got full capacity, no masks, everything is good. You know, what type of marketing are you doing and what are you looking to get out of that? How do you, you know, um, what measures of success do you look for there? And, and yeah, I mean, the, uh, what's, what's the, the, uh, the forecast look like for you? Sure. Sure. You know, it's, it's really, it, it's tough to predict, but because especially up in this area where we are, people are fairly cautious with the pandemic in the in the uh, Seattle area. Uh, so they're coming back. I mean, honestly, I will see people walking outside wearing masks by themselves in front of my studio, which you think is kind of unusual um, that 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 would they would do that with the science now that being outside is you know not a big deal but but so so we still have a lot of people that are pretty cautious about about the mask mandate so it's hard to really predict but you know you you, you set objectives of of uh, how many how much business I want to which business I want to uh, uh, how many new members I want to I want to reach, and I you know I basically want to get about one new member a day, right? So in order to get that, I need to get about ten leads a day. And, and how do you do that? Well, you do a three prong marketing approach. One, you I'm investing in digital marketing, you know, Facebook and and uh, Instagram, uh, Yelp, those sort of things. You got to invest in digital marketing. You just got to do it. And, uh, fitness people love social media. Um, uh, so you got heavily invested in that. Then you have the grassroots things. Um, during the pandemic, all the fun runs and all that kind of stuff, local events were shut down. But now, now that they're starting to open up, you know, I'm, I'm setting up a booth at a fun run. I'll do some demos. Um, I got a, uh, the Veg Fest, the Color Fest, you know, every, any sort of festivity. Every fest. You get into them. Um, what I'm finding, interestingly enough, is, I don't know if other people are saying this too, that it's less expensive to be a sponsor. Like the one I'm doing next weekend, <clears throat> they just asked me to put up a one month free membership as a prize. And before the pandemic, it was 500 bucks. Yeah, give, give us 500 bucks and I'll let you set up a, a booth. Uh, so now it's, it's a little bit, things are better. Um, where I don't have to take money out of my pocket to, to do some of these grassroots things. And, I, and of course, 
Um, anybody parks in front of my studio gets a little free class card. Our part of our marketing is we do first class free. Not everybody does that, you know, uh, uh, but it's effective because we're such a unique, you know, everybody knows what a spin class is. They see the Peloton commercials all the time. You know, they know what a spin class is, but they don't really know what a rowing class is. So, so they really got to come in and experience. And I, and I tell you what, it's, I, I can talk blue in the face and I, I probably already did on, on how much I love the, the modality, but until you really try it, you, you'll come out and go, wow, that was super cool. So that first class free is one of the things we do. So I, you know, I hand out cards, there's a sushi place right here that does takeout. <laughs> they got a lot of free class cards, you know. So you got to you have to have that grassroots. You got to work with different businesses um, to to uh, work through there as well. Um, mail order is a, is another way of doing it. I I have uh, you know uh, the coupon uh, companies that mail stuff. Uh, I, I haven't been very successful with that. It's pretty expensive, um, and the amount of leads you get through that. You know, although they'll tell you you're getting a lot of leads through it, I, uh, that one's a tough one. Um, I'm, I'm going to hold off on that one right now. Uh, so mostly just digital and grassroots marketing right now, trying to get that, you know, you, you set goals of 10, 10 new leads a day. If you can get 10 leads a day, that's great. And then you want to get of those 10 leads, you know, you got to contact them right away and got to get them to come in and um, take a free class. You got to set up an appointment. All right, so, so you get that lead, you get him the, the call. Uh, okay, well, I can do it next Tuesday. Okay, well, next Tuesday, I'll book you into a class. So you just can't, then you gotta, <laughs> you gotta follow up with them to make sure they show, right? So you, you gotta call them, you gotta text them, otherwise they forget. Um, um, people are pretty good about showing up if you give them a text and, and call them or whatever, or let you know. Uh, so then once they show up, uh, you know, you just gotta make sure that experience, you're, you're ready for them. You're excited to have them. You have a coach give them a little individual attention, um, going over the proper points of performance of the rowing technique and how it's good for your body. And, and uh, then when they come back, you really kind of work on that enrollment. What, what's what's going to, um, you know, how much you want to work. And, you know, you know, in the fitness industry, it's funny, I was having a discussion with <clears throat> just a dinner party with, with a friend of mine and he was talking about, I can't believe the government and, and socially, we don't encourage fitness more. We, we, we more, you know, you see the Wendy's commercials or what's the Sonic commercial where you have those hamburgers. It's all the opposite. <clears throat> but I'm like, are you kidding me? That's all I do is fitness. All we're encouraging fitness all day long, every day. I mean, that's, one of the things we we do and, and and one of the things that we talk about is you should have some sort of cardio aerobic fitness activity three times a week right so you work with people and say hey what do you what else you doing well i'm doing absolutely nothing well i tell you what you need an unlimited membership or they say you know what i'm doing pilates i'm doing walk i walk my dog you know i go for a run one time a week. okay well maybe you need to come in here two times a week so you figure out what enrollment fits them best you know you, you get to know them what their needs are and that's after class and you can kind of ask some questions, you know, what are, what are their, what are their goals? You want to lose weight? You want to, um, are you looking for that community? Um, because that's a super fun thing about that. I love about this business now as a community, uh, just getting to know people and, and, um, what, and working out together. And, and, um, so, so you do that and then, then, 
and of course, the, the last thing is, you know, bring a friend, right? Um, what, what's your referral network? Um, making sure you're getting your, your members, existing members and new members to, to, to um, bring somebody else in. So it's just a little story. You know, you, you start with your lead goals and you figure out where I don't make 10 leads every day. I wish I did. You know, and, and uh, I try and get um, three to five appointments of new people a day. I don't always get that. Tell you what, there's a lot of times during the pandemic, a lot of weeks, I got zero interest. I just had uh, new memberships. And actually, I've, I've done classes where there's been one person in class. <laughs> and, you know, I have room for 21. And when you get 20 people in the class, the energy is amazing. People feed off each other. So if you have one person in class, it's a little awkward. You know, two, three is still not that great. Um, you know, five is pr pretty much the critical mass right there. But but um, and we're starting to get there. Um, we still have a few. And then, you, you know, obviously you got to tailor your, um, your utilization. Uh, how many, uh, um, uh, you know, figure out how many classes you're going to have based on utilization. You want it to be close to 80%, but at least over 50%. And, and honestly, I've been under 50%. I probably have more classes. But again, you can't have, it's a catch 22, right? If you don't have classes, people are, it's not gonna be convenient for it. So you gotta have those two and three person classes <laughs> initially, just so people can start, okay, well, I really would like to do that Tuesday, Thursday at 9.30 after I drop my kids off to school, you know? Um, but right now that, that class is struggling, honestly. <laughs> Because like I got two or three people or four people in there. So, but you, you got to kind of work that out. Well, hopefully we're starting to see the, uh, a little bit of the light at the end of the, the COVID tunnel and signs point towards it not being a train coming at us. So <laughs> uh, as things open up and, and people get more comfortable and, and re-engaged, hopefully those, those numbers start to go up and the, you know, the energy in classes can go up. Because you're right, if you have, you know, one, two, three people in class, you're going to drink. I, I'm not a caffeine person, but I think I'd have to drink about three cups of coffee and an energy drink to be able to, you know, you got to use your energy to lift everybody else up. And even then it's, there's something to be said about that kind of shared, shared enjoyment and shared suffering when you have, when you have a big class. Um, I don't go to a rowing specific gym, but it's just a convenience. Um, the way it worked out yesterday, I was in a group of 10 people and our, our workout for the day was we were going to sit our butts on, on the rowers for about 22 out of our 40 minutes, mixed in some other stuff there, but interval rowing, pace rowing, like it's, it can be monotonous. And if you have that energy and other people around and the music going, sounds like your atmosphere might be a little bit, a little bit more engaging than, than what I was doing it in. But uh, yeah, it's, uh, oh, yeah, you know, those it's, numbers it's, up is great. It's funny, uh, um, so we'll get a lot of rowers. You know, I mentioned this Mammoth Rowing Association just a block from us. Um, we're just off Lake Sammamish here. Um, and, you know, you or, or any rowers, I got a couple of former UW rowers that are members here. And you, you think about erging or, or on rowing machine and they just like, oh my God, that's the torture. Uh, yeah, I don't want to do that. You know, they, they roll their eyes, but we make it fun. You know, so what we'll do, you know, like I said, we'll, we'll hit the beat of the music. We'll take, we take the, the beat count of the music and then we'll divide it by four and we, take, we break down the rowing stroke into a four count rhythm. So, you know, on faster songs, I got some really fun um, ACDC songs that are 24 count per minute beat count, really great. And then uh, some 
other fun songs. I'm dating myself again. You know, Van Halen's got this great running with the devil at 28 strokes per minute. Actually, I think that was 24 too. But, but you know, you can hit that beat at 28 strokes per minute. And then, uh, and then uh, some songs where, um, actually, I did, a, I did a playlist all with Adele. And the thing about Adele is she's amazing for one thing, but her, her music is uh, very structured. So every 30 seconds, there's a chorus and that chorus lasts for 15 seconds. So you can do your, uh, your power pace. Okay, here comes that chorus. We're gonna hit the power when the chorus hits and you do it during, the, during that chorus, like that, her song Rumors, you know, it's just so cool because the beat drops and she's got 15 seconds of power. Then it'll slow back. Well, the, the music st stays the same beat count, but but you just change your power. Anyway, I'm, what I'm trying to get at is we make it really fun. I was gonna say that sounds way more interesting than I've ever heard anybody describe rowing. And uh, also sounds like you might have a little bit more uh, rhythmic inclination than I do because- uh, So that's the thing about our coaches too. The two things they gotta have is they gotta have personality and they gotta have musicality. And, uh, you know, they gotta, you know, they do, and the best spin instructors do this too. You know, they develop super fun playlists that are, you know, I've done so many specialty playlists. And one of the things that I'll do is uh, whatever band is playing in the, in the area. So the Eagles were, were playing here. I did this Eagles playlist, you know, a couple of my members like, yeah, I went to the concert on Tuesday. It was awesome. You know, stuff like that. And uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's kind of fun to try and make it fun, but yeah. So, so yeah, I can understand that it's a great fitness modality but if you're not making it fun, it's just, it's just torture. It's like riding a bike without the music and, and uh, without somebody inspiring you, without a really highly motivating instructor trying to push you through it. Absolutely. There, you know, we don't have a lot of time left here, Mike, but, but one of the things that you just pointed out that I'd like to get your opinion on and, and your experience, um, you know, you had to staff the, you had to, you had to get staffed up, train staff, find the right people. Um, a lot of what we hear, you know, today, you know, talking to gym owners all the time is how hard it is to find anybody, let alone to find somebody who's got those niche talents you're looking for. Um, where have you found the best, the best pool of people to pick from? You could, it's not like a gym where you could pick from existing members because you weren't open. There's, um, yeah. you know, personal training studios look for people in colleges and universities that have exercise science backgrounds. Like, are you finding people at like, that are, you know, the best waiter at the restaurant you like that are like somebody just dancing down the street? Where are you, where are you picking this talent from? Well, that's a great point. I, I'd like to do things in, in threes. So, you know, I got a three, you know, three my marketing, three prong approach, my sale, whatever. So, Three things. Um, uh, one of them, I'm going to other fitness studios, right? So I got some spin instructors. Three of them work at another spin instructor here. I, I uh, took one of their classes, went up, approached them afterwards, like, wow, you're fantastic. You got, you got any capacity to come over here and coach me? So, so you know, take other classes and some, some of them have capacity, right? Some of them, you know, like me, I got eight, eight instructors because you need to have some people in the in the background if somebody can't make it somebody's sick or whatever so so that's one right to steal them i don't steal them i mean there are some fitness um um borrow or or cooperate there are fun, some fitness studios that well especially before the pandemic i don't know if they're doing it now that had exclusives you can only work for us 
I don't I think I don't see that anymore so much. Now people are saying, yeah, I, I can't. And actually it's illegal in a lot of places. You can't really do that. But so, so most of the people are pretty cool about that. You know, they'll let you work. So, you know, take some classes and, and, and uh, get to know people. Okay. The second one is get your instructor's friends, right? Now my instructors coach at three different studios, right? So they got a lot of friends and have, have you know, you know, why don't you have Jenny come over and take a class here? She's a great instructor there. And, and so I've had some pretty good luck with that. I've also had some pretty good luck where they, uh, one of the instructors at one of the studios came over and, and my instructor said, oh, do not hire her. Oh my God. <laughs> you know, so you get a little, <laughs> you get a little feedback on that way um, too. So that's the second thing is, you know, get, get referrals from your instructors. Now, the third way, and I've actually had some success is your members. And so I, I have a member who's just great rowing form. Um, and uh, I just, uh, she told me, you know, man, shoot, I just got laid off from my job. It's, you know, it's kind of, kind of a bummer. I'm like, yeah, you got to think about going through the training, being, being a coach here. And she just went through the training. She's fantastic. Um, so, you know, you look at your member, not all members, you know, because you need those two things that I mentioned, musicality and personality, and some of them will be just great rowers, but they don't have the personality or they don't have the musicality. If they're great rowers, they probably have the musicality um, because they, they, great rowers at row house, you know, they, they, you know, they're on beat and that sort of stuff. So, so that's kind of the third, I guess I, I, I've also, you know, indeed, I've had some people come through indeed, uh, semi-successful at that. Um, but, you know, go to other fitness places, ask your instructors if they got friends, look at your members, post on job boards. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, uh, we are nearly on to... time for our, our segment here. Um, but I want to, I want to get one more, one more thing out of that brain of yours. You've been on and off. I mean, you've been in business for a little while now, but closed at least as much, if not a little more, I think, than, than you've been open, it feels like. But still, you know, you've, you've gone through build out, you've gone through hiring, sales, marketing, there's, there's a million things that you've gotten your hands in. If there was, if there, if there was any one standout thing um, that you wish you could have known before day one, besides being able to predict the pandemic, that's cheating. Um, anything in the lines of being a fitness business owner that you think would have given you a, a heads up if you could have known it day one or day zero before you opened? Well, you know, I'm, I'm going to spin that a little positive too. I don't know if you're looking for a negative. I'm a no, no, that, I'm looking for anything that you, that sticks I'm, out to you. One of the most surprising and satisfying thing is the community. I mean, you really build a fun community of people. Um, so every day, you know, you got to be positive. That's, that's one of the things about, and I, and I tell that to anybody who works here, the number one thing is be positive. Uh, I'm not always positive, even during this podcast, there's a couple of, that I caught myself, I'll shoot. But, but you, gotta, you gotta be uh, positive in um, just interacting with people. People have had a tough day at work, they wanna come in here and they just wanna blow off some steam. So 
that building that community, that, that has been very surprising to me how much fun it is just to see people, I get to know them, you know, Sarah called me the other day because her dog was sick, she couldn't come in, you know, so the next time I see her, how's your dog, and I get to hear the story about her dog, and it's just, you know, it, just building that community is kind of fun. Um, so that's probably the most surprising uh, part of it, and, and actually I'm surprised how much fun it is, um, uh, that, that community. And I yeah. think to be successful, that's really what people are looking for. You know, otherwise they're gonna they're gonna uh, work out at home in their home gym. Um, I honestly think, uh, Tom, that if there's if people are interested in a home gym, they should go to Craigslist because there's going to be a bunch of them for sale pretty quickly as things reopen back up. People want to get out of their house and and get in a community again, see some other people, and and uh, you know. I, Honestly, Peloton has, has crashed. The stock has crashed, as you, as you see that. That's, that's part of it. Um, yeah. Great company. I, I got nothing against it, but I, I think there's a lot more people want to get out and see humans again and be part of a community. And that's my biggest surprise. I didn't really realize it was going to be that much fun just getting to know people. Yeah, it's been polarizing. Some people got to go home and be away from people and thought, I really like this. But yeah. there are just as many people, I think, if not more, that are like, I... I need so some type of social interaction. Like, you know, I'll take up knitting and join a sewing circle if I need to. But I think the the big um, the point with community that we see a lot is um, people don't usually join a gym looking for community. Usually, people join a gym or start a fitness routine because they're looking for a result. But you know, the results will come, but only if you have an experience. And community is part of the experience. It has to be fun. Has to be engaging. They have to be, you know, I don't know if I'd say happier when they leave than when they got there, but they have to leave almost every time your facility feeling better than when they came in because you're really only one or two experience away from somebody looking for that somewhere else. People have choices, people have options. So if you lose sight of every one of my classes, I end with, you know, feel good about yourself all day long because you just did something good for yourself. And uh, yeah, I think that's, that's fun. Awesome, man. Well, we are officially out of time here. I appreciate you being on with us. It's been a pleasure having you. I wish you continued success. And I hope as things uh, get back to normal up there in Washington, the, the floodgates open for you. Yeah, me too. Thanks a lot. Appreciate you're, it. You're welcome, sir. And to everyone out there listening, we appreciate you. We wouldn't be here without you. We hope you found value and inspiration in this episode. If you'd like to hear more, click the subscribe button. We'll notify you when new episodes drop. To everyone out there in Jim Lords Nation, keep working hard, keep changing lives. Jim Lords out. Thank you for listening to the podcast so far. Don't go anywhere. We still have another episode coming right up right after this word from one of our sponsors. The Gym Lords podcast is sponsored by Prestige Labs. Prestige Labs is the first and only nutritional supplements company built by gym owners for gym owners. Prestige Labs solves the problem that all gyms have experienced, the broken inventory model, low commissions, and even lower quality products. Prestige Labs provides 100% drop shipping, zero inventory, PhD formulated high quality supplements for you and your clients. The goal is simple, cover 100% of your rent while never sacrificing your integrity. To learn more or to become an affiliate of Prestige Labs for free, apply at affiliate.prestigelabs.com. That's affiliate.prestigelabs.com. Double your client results, double your income.
You can head to affiliate.prestigelabs.com to become an affiliate for free. Now stick around for the rest of this episode. Use coupon code GYMLORDS on prestigelabs.com for 20% off all future supplement orders. What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Gym Lords Podcast. I'll be your host today. My, my name is Joe Fitzgerald, and joining us on the show is Jessica Melquist of Burn Bootcamp, coming to you from Nocatee, Florida. Jess, what's going on? How are you today? Great. How are you? I am doing very, very well. I'm excited to dive into this. I have interviewed a number of Burn owners before, but I really, really enjoy the business model and typically enjoy picking through business owners of all kinds of how they operate, what makes them tick, what motivates them to grow and and succeed when it comes to running a business. But before we do all of that, before we get into the the nitty gritty and strategies and tactics, talk to us a little bit about how we got here in the first place. What made you want to open up this gym when you did? Okay, so my journey with Burns started as a member in Tallahassee in 2017. I was at the time uh, five months postpartum with my fourth child, and I had stopped working when I was five months pregnant. So I uh, just happened to be a founding member of Burn in Tallahassee and fell in love with it. And I had gone to gyms my entire life. I've always been, you know, more or less fit, I would say. Um, And I moved around a lot. So I always belonged to whatever big box gym was in the area. And I would run on the treadmill or I would take a class here and there. But joining Burn, I learned for the first time at the age of 37 what it meant to really be strong. And so that really wasn't in my realm of thinking prior to learning about burn. It was more about like being skinny or, you know, not so much being strong. So that was such a huge thing that I had learned. And I was sort of caught off guard that I would learn about something so significant, so late in life. Yeah, (laughs) And, um, you know, it really it really um, sort of took me by surprise. But so I was a member there for about six months. And then I, with my husband, it was kind of becoming clear that we were going to be moving to Jacksonville for his job. And so the only thing I said to him was like, where's the nearest burn? Because that's where I want to live. And we've moved around a lot. So we've lived in pretty much every major big city. And um Turns out the only one was in Fleming Island, which was not where we were looking to live. So um, I had this. It doesn't exist. I'm going to create it, right? Yes. And it was really a crazy idea because, you know, my background is agricultural economics and I was a commodity buyer for 10 years for a a huge company. And um, my background obviously is not in fitness, but I loved the platform so much. Um, I loved what it did for people. And I always said, like, if I did go back to work, I would want to do something that would help other people. And so burn fit that platform. Yeah. And um, just weird twist of fate. Someone had already owned the three territories where I live. So 
I'm on the beaches of Jacksonville. So we have like Nocatee, Ponte Vedra Beach and Jack's Beach. And someone already owned those territories. So I said, great, someone's going to open the burn. So I don't, I don't need to own it. I just want to go yeah. there. Yeah. And then a year passed, still nothing. So I reached back out to the franchise and they said, well, you'll never believe this, but the man who owned this territory lives in Vegas and North Carolina, and he didn't want to have this triangular yeah just buying up setup. territories at the time yeah so he let these go and bought up all of vegas so and do you have three or do you just have the one i do have two so i have um nocatee and then ponte Vedra beach which extends into jack's beach so i okay. have sort of the beaches of jacksonville so a little foreshadowing into the future but as far as the business as it stands now right here we are post-COVID, if we can use that phrase, give us some some metrics that we can wrap our brain around. Most of our audience are gym owners. And so talk to us a little bit about how many members and what is the service that most of those people are subscribed to? So Burn has changed their opening model over the last two years. But when I opened, uh, the first 30 days are free which gets you, you know, anywhere between, I think we had 600 unique visits in those 28 days. Um, we closed at 234 members on day 28. And um, in the two years that we've been open, we're now sitting um, around 500. Okay. So that's obviously grown, right? We've, we've been able to double we launched initially somewhere around 250 and basically doubled that in that time. Talk to us a little bit about how that fits in this, the grand scheme of the business. Is that full capacity? Can we continue to move beyond that? How does that look? Yeah, given our space, we have 5,300 square feet. Um, if you're familiar with Burn, you know that we all have child watch areas. Mm -hmm. So mine is fairly large um, in the Burn system. I have 800 square feet of child watch. Um, but no, we can absolutely grow. I would say, you know, we should be somewhere in the 700 uh, mark in terms of members. And um, I think, I really think if we, if COVID never existed, we'd be probably a lot closer to that number. I see. Okay. Well, it, unfortunately it did exist, but nevertheless, we've been able to, to go net positive through that time. Mm -hmm. Talk to us a little bit about the marketing that goes into this. Obviously we are a fitness business. We need fitness business customers. And so mm -hmm. where are these leads coming from? How are you finding people to then come into the business and try it and eventually sign up? So I would say there's probably two main funnels. One would be existing. I, our word of mouth is very strong. Yep. Um, actually, I'm sorry. I would say there's probably three funnels. So um, word of mouth is probably our strongest. Um, there is a referral reward if you bring someone in and they sign for six, 12 or 18 months, um, they get half of whatever one month of membership is for them. So that there, you know, that does happen. And then we are very involved in the community. So just yesterday we were um, with this healthy kids running group that's going on for the next five weeks. Um, but we're very involved in the schools and churches. Um, 
in you know various 5Ks, that sort of thing. So we're very involved into the community. And then I would say the other leg is really um, you know social media marketing. So like mm -hmm. Facebook, Instagram, um, we tend to spend, um, well, it's interesting. In the beginning, I really didn't spend much money on paid marketing other than um, when we had promotional times, which happens three times a year, which is usually like four weeks for 69 or four weeks for 99, kind of depending on what's happening at the right. national level. Um, so I would, I would um, do paid marketing around those, those promotions. Yeah. And now I do about $500 a month just on getting leads. And it's just sort of, you know, we have, we have a standing seven day free trial. And um, so leads come in through, I would say like all those three funnels. Yeah. And, and when we talk about marketing, typically people find success with somewhat of a multi-channel approach to what you just mentioned, right? Of mm -hmm. course, we want to take word of mouth leads. They're free. It's probably a higher quality lead. They already know, like, and trust us. So the sales process is fairly seamless. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we don't have a ton of control there, though, right? We can't turn up referrals. You can incentivize it, but we don't, we sure. can't say, hey, I want 20 referrals next month and it happens. We can hope, but we don't have mm -hmm. a ton of control. Same thing with the kind of pound the pavement gorilla type marketing, right? We can get out there to every 5K. We can go to the Chamber of Commerce. We can do all of these things and it's helpful, right? Mm -hmm, Long term, mm -hmm. these things are going to pay dividends. Very little control. Where you guys take control is with that social media marketing, right? We have the ability to turn up the volume. We can spend more money if we need to sure. get more people in and we can turn it down if we are finding success in those first two channels. Sure. And so some combination of all of those things has gotten you to this point. You mentioned didn't spend a ton of money on it when you first started out, but as things evolved over time, that's has that become more prevalent for you? No, I wouldn't say that actually. Um, I think it's just something that we do. And you know, I can't the the marketing person that I work with, it's like you know, there's a fee to work with him. So I, you know, I just kind of keep it on because he helps wow. me do other things. So, um, you know, sometimes we turn it down or, you know, he helps with, um, flyers and that sort of thing. So it's just something like, you know, I don't have the bandwidth to do it myself. And right. That was going to be my next question is, is this in-house or is this outsourced? It sounds like you guys are outsourcing it. Is that correct? Yes. yes. Uh -huh. Okay. And so it's run through somebody probably, hopefully, more of an expert in this field. And like you said earlier, right? right? You come from a buyer position in corporate America, even running a gym was somewhat new to you. And so the marketing to get gym leads is even more new to you. You guys have outsourced that. Do you think at any point you'll bring it in-house or learn more about it yourself? Or have you found that it's better to just kind of hand it I off. I think it's, I mean, if I had the bandwidth, I might bring it in house, but to me, it's probably not worth it. I, I'm better off spending my time elsewhere. Yeah. Um, okay. Cause you know, there's just so much to learn and things are always changing. And yeah, that's, that's um, really the kicker is like, how do we, it, with the constant shifting landscape with the rules changing on all kinds of different platforms and, and the algorithm doing what algorithm exactly 
how are we able to continually find success? And at the end of the day, make sure that we have a sustainable ROI, right? Both in financial terms and in time invested terms. If this is something that it's going to take you forever, weeks and weeks and weeks <laughs> to figure out, right? You can't afford to go without leads for the next two months, right? It's exactly. not realistic. Exactly. Okay. And so take yeah. us to the next step, Jessica. I mean, we get leads in from a number of sources. What happens next? What's the process between that person being a lead and that person converting into a paying customer? So, like I mentioned, we typically have a seven, like a standing seven-day free trial. So we invite people in, um, and we have um, you know a check-in process where we give them a quick tour of the gym. We introduce them to the trainer. We try to introduce them to other people who will be in camp with them, just make them feel really welcome. We'll kind of explain what burn is all about. And then, um, you know, it's, it's interesting because there are some people that will price present on the first day, but I've always taken the approach of like, I want, I don't want to be very salesy. I want people to fall in love with burn and be there because they want to be there. Sure. You know, I don't give discounts. I don't make exceptions because I've found that when you do that, when you like pressure someone or, you know, someone's like, Oh, I really want a discount. They're going to be the first ones that want to cancel in three yeah. months. Yeah. So, um, I take, you know, we try to like just surround the people with love and encouragement and motivation. And if they want to be there, I want them to be there, but I don't want just warm bodies in the gym for the sake of it. So, you know, we have very little turnover and uh, the members that we have are very committed. They're there a lot. You know, I mean, we have a lot of, I don't know what the exact percentage is, but we have a lot of people that come six days a week. Um, so, um, the camaraderie between the different camps is very good and strong and, you know, people become friends and, you know, really connect with one another. So it's really, that for me is like the sales process is kind of connecting people and who in your business handles the sales process? Is that you or is that someone else in, in your staff? So there's three of us um, that work at the front desk. Um, so any one of the three of us can enter a contract in and take the credit card. So there's no like the I've all and I think that this is important to mention um, as I've seen different gyms within this system you know, I've only ever asked my trainers to train. So I don't ask them to do anything on the operations level. Of course, like, you know, I'll ask them to make a video to put on social media for training tip Thursday, for example, or whatever. But like their main job is to train and be the best trainer they can be. So they don't know about our membership pricing and they want to even know how to answer questions. And I feel like if there's ever anything, you know, tricky between a member, like maybe their credit card keeps failing or whatever the situation is. Like there's never any friction between the member and the trainer because the trainer doesn't know any of that stuff. Yeah. They're going to have the best possible experience because the trainer is exclusively focused on training and helping them out. Yeah. And so we have, we have this sales process in place. And, And so I guess the final step of this is keeping people. 
once they're members, right? Is mm -hmm. retention a metric that you guys track? You know, we do track, you know, how many are on suspension, how many are terminated um, and why they terminate. So we do mm -hmm. keep track of that. But like I said, you know, we don't have a high turnover rate. I mean, people move or have a baby or, you know, life things get in the way. But, um, you know, we were, I would say, consistently growing month over month. You know, yeah. we do lose people, but then, you know. We're well, yeah, nobody has 100% retention. People get jobs, people get sick, people get hurt, right. whatever it is. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Okay, and so yeah. decent retention, at least gut feeling. And and if and so to bring this kind of all together and, and cycle back to what you were shooting for, you mentioned 700 being kind of a loose target number. in terms of membership. Mm -hmm. We're trending towards it, right? Net positive yeah. month over month. If you were to be able to improve one of those steps, whether it's lead gen or how many people we convert in a sales process or how many people we retain, what do you think would move the needle the most to get you there a little bit quicker? I would say definitely lead generation because once we get them in the door, they stay. Yep. Um, you know, assuming that they're in the right space, right? Like they want to work out and they're up for the challenge. Yeah. Um, that's important. Yes. Right? When we, I mean, when we cycle back on, on marketing, good marketing should turn away people that don't belong just as much as it should bring in the people that do belong. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And so, yeah. but if we had, you know, the more leads we had coming through, that would be, you know, just more opportunity to, to convert them. But our, right. I would say like, if, if we look at all of our national promotions that we've had over the last two years, we typically have anywhere from like a 47% to 60% conversion rate. Okay. Yeah. So decent numbers and in whether we're great at sales, good at sales, not great at sales, whatever it may be, if we have more at bats, it's going to result in a better outcome right. in the end anyway. So right. Obviously, we want to convert on as high of a percentage as we can, but simply increasing the inputs into the system is, is going to result That's in great. a better outcome on the back end. Yeah. Okay. And, and so let, let's kind of paint a picture of the future then, Jess. I mean, you mentioned we want to get to 700. Say we get to 700. What comes next? What's the, the big vision for you as you guys strive into the future? Well... It's a little bit of a loaded question. Yeah. <laughs> Post 700, um, I would say just to continue to like for this gym specifically to make sure that we're always giving the best fitness product and uh, making sure that we're continuously taking care of our people. Um, of course, like, you know, we are looking to expand and um, have the rights to do so, but um yeah, I, I, you know, want to maintain our good um, standing in the community and uh, be the best gym there is in Nocatee. That's, that's one of the challenges that a lot of gym owners find themselves in is they get to a level of success that they deem as, as at least passable, right? And the, the conversation at least starts up. Do we want to open another one? Do we want to figure out if we can go multiple location? And mm -hmm just as often as we find success in multiple locations, there are just as many examples of opening up a second or a third location, the quality being diluted at all of them Percent. and everything yeah. going poorly. And so right. that's, 
just as important in the long, <clears throat> the long run and, and the scheme of things to make sure the systems and processes we have at location number one are mm -hmm. repeatable, right? Absolutely. That we can, that we can recreate it without you being there. You can right. only be in one place at a time. And so exactly that's, that's the interesting challenge that is an ongoing battle in the gym right. community. That's for sure. Well, and that's, you know, kind of what I've said, there's a little bit of a story here, but I did have a, a signed lease at another location that ended up being pulled because of an exclusivity issue. But what I've learned being in the burn system um, for the last two years and seeing others open and Frankly, you know, I have gym uh, friends that are in other franchises and I've said, you know, as long as I can replicate what I have, um, I would be willing to open additional locations. Yeah. Um, but if I don't feel confident that I can replicate what I have in Nocatee, then it really wouldn't be worth it. You know, and I, I've learned that, you know, when you have everything right, community, people, staff, um, location, space, um, you know, when all of that stuff is right, it is still a grind. And so, you know, I don't want to be in a suboptimal location where like, you know, I have four kids, right? So I, I'm not at this point in my life willing to put in that level of work. Yeah. Um, we don't need two locations and twice as much work. We're trying to figure out yes. how to go the other way. Exactly. So if it, I'm very like at peace with the business and where it stands, because if it's meant to be that we open another one, I will do it for the right reasons, you know, but only if it makes sense. And I'm pretty level-headed about that. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And and I think that's, I mean, that's a, that's a really good place to start to wrap this whole thing up, but that's incredibly important because you opened up this business so that you could make the rules and so that you could yes. live the life that you want to live not so you are a slave to your business unable 100%. to go on vacations unable to see right. your kids like these are also factors that we need to consider yeah. when building businesses like this absolutely yes this has been a whole bunch of fun and, and i think your your perspective and your mindset are incredibly helpful for other gym owners to hear. And so I, I can't thank you enough. Before we get out of here, I want to give you the chance to shout out some, either a website or some social media. Where can people find out a little bit more about your club? Okay, so we are Burn Bootcamp. Um, on Instagram, it's Noc Burn Bootcamp Nocatee Town Center. On Facebook. N-O-C-A-T-E-E. -E. That's right. Yep. Nocatee yes. Town Center. It's very long, unfortunately. <laughs> but, um, and then Instagram, if you just type in Burn Bootcamp Nocatee Town Center, it should pop up. Um, yep. There's about 315 locations across the country and uh, Jacksonville is growing pretty quickly. It's, it's, it's very exciting. Yeah. But, um, Find one near you, right? Yes, absolutely. Perfect. It will, well, just, it'll change your life for sure. And, it'll, and you, maybe you'll end up opening one. So you never know. <laughs> yes. Like I said, this is, this has been fantastic. And I, I really appreciate your time. We'll have to check in with you down the line. and, and see Absolutely. Anytime. Fantastic. Thank you. And so to everyone who tuned in, thank you as well. Don't forget if you want to be notified about future episodes, hit like and subscribe. If you're interested in joining us to talk about your business model in the fitness industry, click the link in the description, fill it out. Our team will be in touch with you soon. And as always, until next time, 
Jim Lord's out. Thank you so much for listening. If you found this content valuable, here's four ways we can help you grow your gym for free. One, grab a free copy of Alex Ramosi's best-selling book, Gym Launch Secrets, at alexsbook.com. Two, join our free Facebook group at alexsgroup.com. Three, if you're a gym owner, you can apply to be on the podcast by emailing us at podcast at gymlaunch.com. Four, leave us a five-star review so we can gain access to more gym owners and bring those lessons back to you. And as always, tap that button and subscribe to this podcast for more.